Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome to another episode of the Thought Leadership Project podcast. I'm Jay Harrington. Tom Nixon is with me. Hi, Tom. Hey, Jay. We're approaching the end of the year already. I mean, not approaching. We're at the end of the year. Yeah, we are. Um, crazy, but I guess it's inevitable, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's um, right. It happens every year. It oddly. seems to. Yeah, yeah not- exactly. Yeah. Knock on wood, right? Right. Um, so in any event, uh, yeah, excited about that. This is going to be our last episode of the year. Um, looking forward to a, a great 2022. Uh, and I guess just some R and R a little bit over the over the break, hopefully. Um, but excited about today's episode. Um, but before we get into that, Tom, let's just talk briefly about um, another thought leader item. This would be the thought leader collaborative, which regular listeners uh, will know have heard us talk about before. This is our online training program and community for uh, professionals who are looking to up their game on LinkedIn and really think about how they can become and position themselves as thought leaders um, and build the practice as a result of that. So we open up registration for that program a few times a year. This is our second registration that's been open. Um, It opened up on December 6th. And importantly, doors to that registration are closing uh, midnight Pacific time on December 20th. So this episode will probably be launching on December 17th or 18th. And that'll mean that anyone listening to this will have, um, or perhaps we'll be listening to it later and have missed the window, but hopefully you listened to it before and we'll have a chance to check that out at thoughtleadercollaborative.com and consider joining. Yeah. Love to have as many of the, of our listeners as possible. The one thing, Jay, that was a pleasant, I don't want to say a surprise, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to, to mention this and it not come across as a humble brag, but we've gotten really good feedback from people, which I hoped for, but I don't know if I expected to get as much public praise. So um, I guess I'm thankful for that. It's reinforcing that this was a a good idea and that people find value in it. So I'd I'd like for as many people who are interested to at least check it out and um, again, ask, ask a current member what they like or don't like about it and consider joining, but you have to do that before December 20th. Yeah. I mean, and why, why join? I don't know. Again, this is a, you know, this is a bit of a sales pitch, but I'm trying to be as objective as possible. But I mean, if I put, put myself in someone else's shoes, you know, to the extent you're someone who perhaps has a hard time, like maintaining a sense of discipline and accountability around marketing and business development, some of the important, but not urgent matters, this can help with that. Um, because we're, we operate on a regular cadence. Um, and there's a community we set, goals for people like our set, we call them monthly challenges um, related to marketing activity. So, so that's one thing. And then also bringing to light, just new ideas, fresh ideas, um, new things to try, um, new things to think about. And then I think importantly, that community aspect as well, you know, it's nice to be able to get together with one's peers uh, at least once or twice a month, especially in this, you know, continuing COVID environment and, and hash around ideas and learn new things and be inspired, um, to get more active. So I don't know, those to me are the kind of three main components, both based on just experience of having put on the program and, um, feedback from, uh, current members. And the only thing that you maybe neglected to add was the principles and practice that we call Mm -hmm. it. So we bring in guests that 
a lot of times know way more about the stuff that we do. So we're learning from the likes of, you know, Frank Rabos, uh, Laura Frederick, Patricia Baxter, who is she now over 25,000 followers on LinkedIn, something like that. It was 20,000 yep. when we had her on the podcast. So um, they're sharing their tips and best practices, and I'm learning from them as well. So it's not just the two of us sort of walking people through a, a training program. It's continual learning, ongoing education for ourselves as well. So yeah, please join us. All right. Well, with that said, um, again, thoughtleadercollaborative.com. Registration closes on December 20th. Won't be open again until the spring. So let's get on to the episode, Tom. This is the episode. We have to credit our third partner in the Thought Leader Collaborative, Heather Harrington, who said, you know what? At the end of the year, what you should do is why don't you guys do an episode where you wrap up either your favorite thought leaders or your favorite thought leader resources, uh, be a good fitting to the end. And of course, um with most things we turn to our partners for good ideas and that was a great one so that's what we're going to do today and we've not shared these with each other so we're going to walk through uh, a handful of i guess these are our recommendations jay right like our sort of yeah, endorsements of the to to an extent i mean i think that people i think what i how i thought about it tom is more you know what inspired me what I, what is really driving um, my curiosity and interest and holding my attention uh, in terms of you know content and ideas being put out there and for what it's worth for people I mean it may people may or may not find the things that I find interesting interesting but we thought it might be a way to kind of to the extent people are regular listeners of this show um, understand what drives our thinking and what really inspires us out there um, yeah. so that's that was my motive because everyone's you know everyone's a little different so I figured you know, maybe it'll be interesting to learn about what we're curious about these days. Yeah. And I kind of approach it the same way too. Mm -hmm. So if I were to recommend stuff, I could, th these are all people and things that have had huge influence on my life this year and maybe some of them even prior. So th with that, um, maybe we should dive in. Yeah. Um, all right. You want to, you want to, Go first. You want me to go first? Huh? I think I'll go first. Okay. Just in fear that you might steal one of my ideas. <laughs> um, I'm going to start at the beginning because this was sort of a revelation for myself. And I don't have as many coaching clients as you do. It's not a core of my business, but I do have a couple. And it's, there seems to be a common denominator when people go out looking for coaching or direction is they're unclear as to exactly which direction to go in my first question is some version of, well, what do you want? You know, what do you want to happen? And the answer I almost get is, well, I could do this or I could do that. And so there's real no clarity even of what they want. And I was sort of in the same boat until you recommended a book to me that I always talk about. It's sort of in the, my back pocket all the time. And that book is Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less by Greg, how do you say it? McCown? McCown? McCune? McCune. McCune. Yep. And I don't say this about many books, but that book was life changing for me. And I've recommended it as a first step, always non-negotiable, that if you want to go through a coaching program with me, you have to read that book mm -hmm. because it, it clears away all the clutter. It gets you focused on what truly matters. And once you know that, then it's really easy to start picking out a course to go forward on. But until you know that, you're always going to be sort of stuck in this paralysis by analysis. So this is a thought leadership tool, I guess that I'm saying is that you, 
you get clarity first about what you truly want. It's just a great book that he has such a great way of just stripping it down to only what you care about, like not what you think other people expect of you, um, not what you think you're sort of pot committed to because you maybe spent, you know, four years pursuing a graduate degree and you've got so much money put into it. So it strips away all that starts with a blank canvas. And so that's the first place that I start in any of these journeys. And I owe it to you, by the way, because you recommended the book to me. Yeah, I know. I can, I can definitely wholeheartedly endorse that book. It's a great book and um, brought me a lot of clarity as well. Um, short book too, really. I mean, I don't think you should read it in one sitting because um, you should, you know, kind of read it maybe chapter at a time and, and let it digest and, and simmer. But, um, but it's a short book that you can, which, which makes it even better. Um, so I, de I definitely recommend that. It really is, you know, you, you're getting clear on the, the fact that if you're not if you're not really clear on your own priorities, it means you're probably working in furtherance of someone else's. Um, so, so it's a, it's a very helpful book for anyone that might feel like they need some clarity. Um, well, in a, on a related note, uh, this is, I think we're starting a theme here. So the first, and, and I will say, as I look back at, if I look at my list, Tom, I mean, I'm definitely, there's some element of recency bias here because these are mm -hmm. all things that I'm, I'm currently sort of animated by. Um, so I, there's probably, if I dug back to the beginning of the year, I might've had different answers, but nonetheless, this is where, this is what I'm thinking about these days. So first book, um, digital minimalism, uh, by, uh, my, my favorite thought leader right now, Cal Newport, um, and <laughs> Cal Newport and, and Tom, just in various settings, you heard me talk a ton about him recently. Um, he's also written, Another one of my favorite books, which is Deep Work, um, as, as well as a couple others he wrote, um, So Good They Can't Ignore You, and, and some other books. Um, but nonetheless, with respect to digital minimalism, um, you know, th this is a book of, of you know, advice that's one of those things where it's like, we, we kind of know these things inherently, um, but we need to be reminded of them. And, and I certainly, I think this book helped ground me in, in sort of actually taking some of the hard steps to systemize, um, put some systems in place and some boundaries in place that allowed me to focus more intently on, on what matters. So it's, it's almost like a one-two punch of read essentialism to get clear on your priorities and read digital minimalism to figure out how to you know, maintain the focus on those priorities and 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 to prevent being buffeted by like the you know the algorithms out there that are trying to steal your attention. So you know I, there's some really practical things I did after reading Digital Minimalism, such as um, he doesn't necessarily recommend this, but for me, I, I went out and bought an alar an old fashioned alarm clock, right? Because I don't want to have my phone on my on my <sighs> bedside table anymore because you know. I, when I wake up at three in the morning, just because I wake up at three in the morning too often, um, I don't want to just reach for my phone. I, I want more time away from the screen, from social media, um, to focus on things, bring a, a high level of attention to things, not be context switching so much between tasks and, and just, you know, spend more time working deeply on what matters. And, and digital minimalism has helped me to do that. Yeah, I've read horror stories, which are actually in the form of scientific studies of what happens in the brain just by having the phone in the same room with you when you go to sleep. Yep. Um, it's not good. So and it's impossible to control what we might think we're putting it out of our minds and like your brain doesn't work that way. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, I've had a, I've had the, <laughs> I got my alarm clock that I'm currently using in college and I'm an old yeah. dude now. So <laughs> 
still right. works like a charm though, man. Yeah. 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 So um, uh, that's funny. No, that's, it's true. I mean, I, I think back speaking of phones on bedside tables, our bedside tables. I mean, I remember, I remember getting my first Blackberry talk about dating ourselves, right. Where, <laughs> where it was, you know, it, which thought was so cool back in whatever 2002 or whatever it was that I got it. Um, but I don't know for anyone that remembers phones of that era, the Blackberry of that era, it had the the blinking red light feature on top. So, you know, all night you would, you would see like when a new email came in, there'd be this blinking red oh, light and it was just geez. this like, you know, nightmare scenario, but, um, cause the well, emails a, never stopped, but in any there's a reason they call those crackberries because we yeah. were addicted to them, uh, yep. by design, by the way. Yep. So anyways, yep. well, you mentioned one, two punch and I kind of approached the same thing with a one, two punch because it's, it's one thing to get clear on what you want. I think that's, really the most important thing because everything else follows as I suggested, but then you have to know how to go about getting what you truly want. And there was a book I read in 2021 by the name of Productivity Pivot. <laughs> by <heard> <laughs> a young strapping thought leader, Jay Harrington. And I do this not to flatter you, Jay, but because it's one of my revelations in terms of what I truly want is something you captured in your book. So as you go through this exercise, what's important to you? What's essential to you? Is it a certain income? Is it a station in life? Is it a title that you've always wanted? Um, all of which I've considered myself as the potential end all be all. And it wasn't until I read your book that I was completely clear on what was important to me. And that was the one word autonomy. And in your book, you suggest that this drives a lot of people. If you strip away everything I just mentioned in terms of money and you get to why do you want those things? It's because you want to have autonomy or some feeling of control over your own fate, destiny, whatever. And your book, I think, is the two punch to the one punch of essentialism because that book then bridges, okay, now that you know that, here's how you're going to achieve it. And I think your book, as I recall, is in actually two parts. One is the mindset shift. Mm -hmm. And then the second part is here's the action plan using something very, not, you know, ethereal. It's very specific, the Eisenhower matrix and the tools that you have to do planning and uh, in, in instill productivity into your daily work. And I, so I think those are the effective books, like not the ones that are just all about mindset, and not the ones that are all about, you know, a proven system to do this or that. It's the the books that connect those. And I thought your bridge or your book was a great bridge between those two things. So it's number two on my list, whether it's yours or another book like it, like the one mm -hmm. digital minimalism, I think that's the next step. Like before you move on and collect go or collect $200, pass it, go get clear on what you want, then figure out what's the system that you're going to use. So you start with why now you're into how this is how I'm going to achieve it. And then all of the what's become clear. So yeah. There you go. Um, I don't know well, if you're bl you. blushing or beaming with pride. But yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Uh, I mean, I won't, I don't have a lot to add to that. I don't want to talk about my own book uh, too much here, but uh, I appreciate that, that plug. And, and I, you know, I, I think that's, that was my intention with the book, right. To kind of um, get people thinking differently about productivity and 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 a roadmap for how to implement uh, a more productive workflow into their lives. So, but um, tied to the vision, which is what yeah. you, you talk about all the time. If it's not tied yeah. to the vision, it won't be purposeful. And then all of your to dos and all of your systems will lose steam over time because they're not mm -hmm. authentic to what you really want out of life, which in many people's cases is autonomy. So well done. Yep. Yep. What, what do you, you got for number two? Um, I have, uh, this is actually my book. Oh, Jay. <laughs> What's that? What'd you say? My book. 
Yeah, well, I was gonna say your book, uh, <laughs> no, but no, no, no. but we might this everyone might tune out. We can save that one till the end. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we might talk about the Thought Leader Collaborative. Yeah, the my mutual. Book, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tom Nixon, do less, sell more. Check it out. Available on Amazon. Uh, <laughs> but but the book I was gonna mention um, actually kind of relates to the productivity pivot. Uh, but it's it's called the Snowball, which is the um, authorized biography of Warren Buffett. Oh um, yeah. I finally got around to reading this book, uh, and it's it's not. I think the book was in published in like the early 2000s. And this is the book in which I, I first discovered the anecdote about selling yourself an hour of your time every day um, from Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's business partner. Um, I had found that anecdote in that book, but I never had taken the time to read the entirety of the book. Um, so I tackled that this year. It's a long book. Um, and, and I really liked it. I mean, A, it's just a great book, first of all. But as far as like a a practical takeaway or a, a principle. Um, you know, certainly Warren Buffett's life was one that was marked by just an intense discipline. On if I had to sum it up, it would be this notion of like do less, do better, right? Don't chase fads, don't chase trends. Um, he he's famous for saying, you know, successful people, the difference between really successful people and successful people is that really successful people say no to almost everything, right? Mm. Just maintaining this laser focus on what really matters. Buffett was, you know, went through all these periods of time where he had an investing philosophy based on first principles of like, you know, the types of companies that he was looking to invest in. And, and that would go in and out of fashion, depending on like going through different market fads, that kind of thing. Everyone said that Buffett was out of touch and, and too old fashioned during like the dot-com, you know, build up, for example. And he held to his principles and, you know, never went after the mania. And, and as a result, that came out on the other end looking great. Um, and that went on throughout. So I guess what I took away from it was, you know, remain, understand what your sort of first principles and values are, um, stick with them. Don't chase trends necessarily. And um, just do less, do better. Um, so that was what I really got out of uh, the snowball by uh, yeah. the biography of Warren Buffett. That's good. Great. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah cool. Well, it did tie back to your book, sort of, mm -hmm. um, with the uh, selling yourself an hour each day. Cool. Yep. Well, I'm going to move on to a person, an actual thought leader for my number three, a name you hear me evoke often. Can you guess what it is? Brian Clark? Yes, it's Brian Clark. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know who Brian Clark is, he founded something called Copy Blog, Copy Blogger. He's sort of the godfather of what we now know to be um, content marketing. So in that way, he's sort of always been a lodestar for me, um, considering what I do for a living. But I sort of, I didn't stumble upon him until maybe two years ago. And I don't even know how I signed up for this newsletter called Further. It, it's geared, talk about being in a niche, it's geared towards Gen X, um, primarily either approaching 50 or over 50, which I am, who are in business for themselves and want to create a personal, what he calls a personal enterprise in order to achieve autonomy. His big thing is he wants to travel the world, so he doesn't want to be tethered to a job. So if he can travel the world in the modern day and we've discovered everything we discovered with uh, COVID and remote work, then that's what you should build for yourself. I'm not as big into traveling the world, but I am big into this autonomy thing. So a couple of recommendations. If you are approaching 50 or over 50 and you just want to get great content on just lifestyle, it's not about building a business. It's about just lifestyle and, and pursuing what's important to you. Look at further. 
further.net. We're going to link to all of this in the show notes. But he also has a podcast um, where in furtherance, no pun intended, of his desire to build a personal enterprise so that he can be free to travel, he's coined something that he calls the seven-figure small. In seven-figure small, he has a podcast called the seven-figure small podcast. And I think for our lawyers, um, you can think of the seven-figure small as your either book of business or your practice. So a seven-figure small business is a business um, that is doing seven figures in in revenue, um, has no employees and no investors. And think about all the freedom that that affords somebody. Uh, I'm not yet to the seven figure mark. I can tell you that, but um, it's still a paradigm to kind of shoot for. Um, so check out that podcast. And all of this is um, kind of baked into. He also has a sort of Web 3.0 community called Unemployable. Dot com. So unemployable.com um, teaches you how to create a personal enterprise uh, business for yourself and lifestyle, as well as there's um, you know learning curriculum, everything we offer in the lab as well. And last but not least, Jay, is you were absent one day, but I managed to get Brian Clark on our podcast. So go back and listen to episode 86, which is all about content curation with Brian Clark. So Brian Clark is my sort of uh, counterpart to your Cal Newport. He's my my thought leadership crush. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. And, and I think Brian Clark is also, he was a practicing lawyer too, right? He was. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I do, I like his stuff. I subscribe to his newsletter and I think it's really good. Further. Yeah. Uh, yep. Further. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, further sort of the gateway into everything else, the gateway mm-hmm. drug, because it's just, even if you're not even want to think about business, it's all about like eating healthily, mm-hmm. um, you know, staying fit, staying um, mentally fit. I mean, again, we're over 50. Oh, you're not, but I am. And uh, it's just, it's like what you always say is if if you get really narrow on your niche, the content that you can create could be so specific, but so valuable for an audience. I wouldn't even have my my wife's over 50, but a lot of this stuff would resonate with her. It's like specific people. So if you're in that sort of, and you like thumping your chest about being a a Gen X or this is the... uh, that's the uh, newsletter for you. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, he's great. I think Brian Clark is really great. Um, So I, I, I've got, I'm going to do two quick ones here. I just, you you mentioning uh, Brian Clark made me think of, of someone. um, And I'm going to just talk about him briefly, which came out this week. Uh, He's another author. Many people will be familiar with uh, Mark Manson, who is the author of, um, uh, the subtle art of not giving a a beep <laughs> for, for that should be enough. Um, and and also um, everything is beeped. Uh, those two books, same beep. Um, uh, yeah, starting with one. an starting with an uh, the app where we didn't want to have to designate. Uh, I don't have to like designate the explicit. Apple Store. Yeah, explicit. Yeah. Um, right. But in any event, uh, the the point is, his books are are fantastic. I think um, and. And I've read I've read both those books, but the, what I wanted to raise right now, which was really impressive to me, was he has he also has a newsletter, um, and it used to be a weekly newsletter. Then he shifted it to a monthly newsletter. And this this Monday, the the mon- monthly newsletter came out, and he basically announced that he is going to completely shift his focus from the type of writing and topics he used to, you know, he, he focused on in, in those two books and, and pursue something totally different, but he doesn't know what it is going to be yet in terms of oh, his, wow. his professional curiosity. So he's taking everything he's done, all the newsletters, all of the courses, everything. And he's just like basically putting them, making them all available. Like, here's my archive, like have at it. I'm, I'm totally 
you know, moving away from that. And I'm going to go pursue my curiosity and see where it takes me. Um, and I thought that was really cool, uh, because, you know, I think that it takes a lot of courage to do that. I mean, he could just, you know, keep signing huge book deals because his books are, have just been massive bestsellers um, and just keep milking, you know, that for the rest of his career. And he's just casting it aside and saying, you know what, I'm not, I'm done. Like, it's sort of like Forrest Gump when he finishes running, right? When he's running across, all over the place and then he just stops one day and he says, you know, that's it. And um, so I like, I love that pivot that Manson's making and I'm excited yeah. to see what he does next. Really quick, um, and before you go on to your other one, is that mm -hmm. that's how Brian Clark started further, is that, mm -hmm. you know, he exited two um, businesses essentially at the same time. And he's like, what's next? You know, I'm approaching 50. I'm not done yet. What do I want to do with my life? And he started going out looking for answers. Mm -hmm. And he realized that there wasn't a place, there wasn't anyone that was curating all of that and providing it to somebody. So he created it. And yeah. so he, initially further was all about just creating everything he was finding online and saying, here, here's what I'm trying to make sense of this for myself. Maybe it'll help you as well. And that's how the whole thing started. So if you're yeah. thinking of doing something like that, and maybe that's where, where he'll go too, is that explore your curiosities and you may find out that there's an opportunity. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. So what um, was your so, last one? And I have a bonus one too, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so last book um, that I'll mention is uh, called the fish that ate the whale. Um, and this one's a little sort of esoteric. Um, and it's another short, it's shortish book. Um, it's, I guess, I guess it's a biography. Yeah. It's a biography. It, I mean, it deals with one individual in particular by the name of, um, Sam Zamuri, who I'd never heard of before. Um, but this book takes place in the late 1800s, early 1900s for the most part, this is where it begins. Um, Sam Zamuri basically was an immigrant from Russia, uh, in the United States. And, and remarkable story of someone who, you know, rises from nothing to become one of the richest, most powerful men in the world. Um, he, he's, they call him Sam, the banana man. He basically created a, a banana empire, um, in central America. And just this, this life of like, you know, overthrowing governments and just this crazy, amazing, um, life he led. Now, the, the thing I took away from the book, um, it, which, which is the thing I wanted to share was just, he, he got into this whole, this whole thing got started when he realized that all of the boats that were coming into the port of new Orleans, um, that were bringing the bananas in would just take all of the bananas that weren't perfect and toss them overboard. And he, he saw that as being an opportunity. So he sort of, you know, uh, grabbed all those bananas and 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 hustled around and sold them immediately because once a banana like starts to brown a little bit you know it they the banana companies considered it useless he saw mm -hmm. value in it so i guess the point i took away from it at least one of them was you know he found a really narrow niche uh, something that was underappreciated and um other people just sort of didn't see the value in and then he used that as a foothold um, to build something much, much bigger. And I think that's the way that most of us, like, you know, from a finding our niche standpoint, probably need to be thinking about things like what is the underappreciated under, you know, under, uh, lack of attention paid to like market segment that I can, I can step into, um, gain a foothold and then grow from there. So in any event, I, and it was just a, it's just a great book. It's a really well done book. Yeah. It sounds really interesting. So that mm -hmm. is on my, now at the top of my list. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. Good. 
Well, I said I had one bonus one, so if you don't mind indulging me, just to no, um... I've got I've got four bonus ones that I'll go through quickly when you're done. <laughs> okay, well I'll keep, I'll keep this quick then. <laughs> um, I told you there was a method to my madness, and there was. So the journey I kind of went down was going back to the beginning. So essentialism, clear away the uh, head trash, get your mind focused on what's truly essential to you. Okay, productivity pivot. Right. So once you have that and you understand what's important, make sure you're creating a system to achieve what you say is truly essential to you. Um, my personal system is the seven figure small mm -hmm. and what Brian uh, Clark uh, espouses in terms of the personal enterprise approach to building a business for yourself. Um, so I'm sharing that the last piece, I think, is the piece, the glue that's going to hold it all together is a very simple tool that again you introduced me to um, that i've become addicted to and that is the michael hyatt full focus planner so what i'm addicted to is the accountability and the simplicity that is built into a tool i think you need a tool to hold yourself accountable and to make the system that you are creating for yourself easy and repeatable and this is my recommendation i know again you like the kale newport planner um but i recommend having a analog system pen paper to keep you focused on what's truly important every single day so that you're getting uh traction towards that vision that you said was essential and then a book recommendation he, so michael hyatt's written a number of books but i came across one that i thought was interesting and it's the companion to the full focus planner and the book is called free to focus the subtitle is interesting because when i wrote my book which you mentioned was do more or do less sell more i struggled with that title because I'm like, uh, it's clever, but like, is anyone gonna believe that? Like, it sounds like, like you're making an audacious claim that's not supportable. But I stuck with it for that very reason. Well, little did I know, Free to Focus is subtitled, A Total Productivity System to Achieve More by Doing Less. So I guess I was onto something. So yeah. I'm also gonna read that book. Uh, it's probably gonna help me uh, use the full focus planner to, to greater success. So. Michael yeah. Hyatt's my last one. Well, you can see, you can, listeners can't see, but I've I've got it on my bookshelf. It is a good book. Um, Free to focus. Yep. yep. All right. Yep. Um, all right. Okay. So I'm going to go through these quick uh, because we're we're going to be running long here. But uh, these are these are podcasts um, that I really enjoy. Uh, so first, um, again, Cal Newport, Deep Questions. That's his podcast. Um, so to the extent you want to take a deeper dive into personal productivity. Um, things like time blocking, which both the, the Michael Hyatt planner and the Cal Newport planner are built for, um, which I think is, is probably the most powerful productivity system that, that I utilize. And it sounds like you too, Tom, um, deep questions with Cal Newport, um, yep. another favorite podcast, all in the all in podcast. That is uh, one that features, um, kind of entrepreneurs in tech, David Sachs, Chamath, Palihapitiya. Um, Jason Kalkanis and David Friedberg. So if you're interested in sort of the intersection of tech and business and investing, um, that's a great podcast. I think they're all very like smart, critical thinkers um, and interesting. So that's a favorite podcast. Um, you mentioned Web 3.0, Tom. Um, I have a, I'm also very interested in, in Web3. Um, there's a podcast that Patrick O'Shaughnessy puts on called Web3. Um, I think it's a great podcast. And I think any any lawyer who's not 
getting themselves up to speed, at least on the basics of Web3 are missing out. And Web3 is basically the, the kind of the new decentralized internet. Um, so issues like blockchain, um, NFTs, crypto, and, um, and you probably maybe some people have heard of DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. Um, these are all elements of Web3. Um, you know, ignore sort of the, the hyped headlines about, oh, this, you know, this NFT artwork sold for $70 million. That stuff's happening. There is a hype cycle going on right now related to some of these assets. But to the extent you can familiarize yourself with the underlying tools and and systems and capabilities of Web3 and the decentralized nature of it, you're going to see the application of, you know, to intellectual property, contract law, um, um, even corporate organization through these DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. Um, so it's a good podcast to get yourself up to speed on some of those issues. Um, and then the last one was not a podcast, but um, a TV show that I'm 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 late to the game on this one, but it's it's Formula One on Netflix. And the reason I mentioned that show, um, I recently started watching it, and there's a specific thing that I think makes it compelling, um, and I think relates to what we're talking about here on this podcast, which is. Um, I'm not interested in Formula One racing at all, but I'm totally hooked on this show now. And the reason for that is because there's such compelling storytelling. And I know we've talked a lot about the importance of storytelling mm -hmm. in creating thought leadership content, that kind of thing. What I guess the point being, you can make anything interesting, even something that's totally, you know, you wouldn't otherwise have had any interest in if you watched it by telling the compelling human stories that are associated with the otherwise, you know, potentially dry subject matter. Um, so Formula One, um, if you want to, you know, view for yourself whether or not you're hooked into this human stories underlying yeah. a topic that you might otherwise have no interest in. Check it out. Well, in, in case people don't believe me that I'm over 50, I got a funny story to share with you. So showing my age, like, okay, boomer. So I'm on Twitter and I'm seeing all these people comment on this Formula One race at like 10 o'clock on a Sunday night. And I'm like, what race is happening? Like, <laughs> and this guy that I'm following, like, I would have never pegged him as a Formula One fan. Like, what yeah. is going on? I had no idea that there was even a show, is my point. Yep. I yep. had no idea until you yep. just mentioned it. So, okay, well, that's good. Oh, so I, that, okay, so that was revelatory for That you. was got totally, okay. like, I'm All like, right. oh. So you, that, got it, got it. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Boomer. I'm still good trying stuff. to work my way through Made. so. Okay, um, that's a good one. It is a good one. So, <laughs> cool. Well, this was, uh, this was fun. So that's the year in thought leadership. Yep. And um, just one final plug for the Thought Leader Collaborative. If you are interested in checking it out, registration closes on at midnight on December 20th. And I guess, Jay, I'm sure we'll be talking, but in terms of the Thought Leadership Project podcast, I'll see you next year. Yeah, absolutely. It was a good year, Tom. Thanks, man. It was. All right. We'll see you. All right. All right. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.